0: want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Hello and welcome to episode 29-ish of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. On this episode, triathlete Hayden Wild.
2: It was, uh, it was definitely for my, uh, uh, was for my family and uh, yeah, for my dad as well. He passed away like twelve years ago, so he never got to see me race. So. <laughs>
0: Now I need to put a disclaimer out there, this is a repeat episode that was first shared back in March. I'm reposting it because at the time of recording Hayden was in Birmingham for the 2022 Commonwealth Games. If you've already heard it, feel free to listen again, it's a great chat, or you can skip it, or if you've not heard it, I really hope you enjoy it. We discuss a whole lot of stuff, how he won and then almost lost his Olympic medal, losing his dad in a plane crash as a young boy, the romantic gesture to his girlfriend while she was in MIQ, and much, much more. All right, let's get into it.
1: Hey, Runners Only, yeah, cheer, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast pace, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, Cheer, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast pace, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Uh, just want to connect for everyone. Everyone who loves running, hey, runners only with Dime Harley.
0: Runners only with Dom Harvey and Hayden Wild, Olympic Games bronze medalist in the triathlon. G'day, mate. Hi, oh, how's it going? It's good to good to meet you.
2: In real yeah, life. I've I've always heard you at five a.m. when I go to some squads, so it's actually mm. nice to put a face to the name.
0: Have we have we met before? I know we were in the we, we were running a, an event on the same day. You did a half marathon, and I was doing a marathon on Hawks Bay. Did we meet then? or I, No,
2: I don't think we did because I think you know it starts about halfway. So you started obviously probably uh, in the city. Um, but I do recall, yeah, you doing. Uh, you were, you had a yarn about it uh, post post run, and uh, yeah, I finished up um, as well. Um, but it was very nice, kind of finishing in the vineyard. It was actually like one of the best kind of post events I've ever had. Have going to in the vineyard, have yeah. a wine or two, uh, yeah. good little uh,
0: good little setup. And you you won that day. How old were you at the time?
2: I was about 16, 17 um, I just moved uh, I, Well I just moved in my last year in high school um, And then kind of moved to Tauranga From Whakatāna and actually bet my coach um, that I actually uh, presently have Craig Kirkwood who's uh, well accomplished in the marathon at the moment Um, but yeah he's uh, it was quite funny so that's kind of how the banter started and I think every time he he's on a podcast that gets brought up and uh, (laughs) kind of he was going down there he was all uh, pretty confident that he was going to take a thousand bucks home but then some kid from (laughs) Fakatane just kind of stole his lunch so and then
0: then how did the relationship start like did he did he hit you up and offer to coach you or
2: Um, Craig's one of guys that doesn't like to approach anyone, it's kinda of you approach him. Um, you know, he doesn't like that po- um, poaching or doing anything like that. It's like he sees their talent and, you know, might give some tips in here and there and then the um it might start. But I actually had a guy called Dave Jags who is my coach uh did multi-spots of the coast to coast and whatnot. Uh, and then from there, my Dave pretty much turned around and said, "Like, um, like, mate, I'm pretty much at my peak of coaching. Uh, I could, don't know if I can coach you any longer," which was like pretty awesome to hear. So he gave me a couple options in Todonga and so he broke um, up with you.
0: Yeah, he pretty much did. He was he broke up, but on a good basis. So. Yeah, basically saying, basically saying you were, you were, you know you, you've sort of outgrown the pond.
2: Yeah, pretty much, yeah, which was yeah. awesome. Like there was no bad blood. I was still into his gym mm. every so often. We always give each other banter all the time. And uh, he's like, you know, I've got two coaches that uh, I know that are well better than my capabilities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I had two options. And my physio at the time was getting coached by a lady called Liz Van Wheelie who went to the Olympics and Com Games for swimming. And she – well, her stepdaughter was getting coached by Craig. And that's kind of how it started. And Craig was also doing Ironman at the the present time. So that's uh, kind of how that linked in quite nicely. And uh, Was part of you like
0: – I don't want the guy to coach me. I I am better than him already. I know, <laughs> like right? Keep his ass. I know. I was like I was like
2: didn't know who the guy was. It was actually quite funny because they, uh I forgot the pre, um the commentator who was at the who's doing all the awards ceremony and whatnot and they would just blowing smoke right up his ass. it was quite funny. Uh, and then a couple months later I was coached by him and uh you haven't looked back since. So um he's got a pretty good uh, reason behind him now with you know coaching Sam Tanner who went to the um, Olympics mm, for the yeah. 15 as well and yeah. you know he's pretty much coached him from uh, complete scratch uh, obviously had a massive um, natural talent and uh, a big kick but uh, you know you got to nurture that and, and put that in the right direction so um, mm. yeah he also yeah, coached me from ground zero I think I was like a, a 16 minute 5k guy and now I'm a 1328 uh, off the bat so uh, it's uh it's yeah, massive improvements. Wow, that
0: is huge. <laughs> yeah. That is huge. Yeah, even sixteen minutes is huge as well.
2: Yeah, it was actually in the night of fives in, uh, in Auckland. Um, yeah, it was my kind of my first track proper track race after uh, high school. Um, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I think you could probably run about 15.30. Um So I went out and went out way too hard with the front group and just completely just blew my doors off, um, and then suffered big time the last couple of k. And I think I just keep, I think I came last. In that race, uh, and then jogged it in, and I just looked down, like, oh, man, what the heck was that? And Craig Craig laughed at me, saying, oh,
0: we've got a bit of work to do. (laughs) You came last at 16 minutes. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be... It's twelve and a half laps uh, to do to do five thousand meters. I, I can't tell you how many times i would be lapped. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah, it was, it was. I think
2: it was the A one. So I think I should just gone with the B boys and uh, and finish midfield. Yeah. But when I was good experience and uh, it was definitely a, a rude awakening um, heading kind of into
0: that professional yeah. tri circuit So okay.
2: that
0: was good. How much? How much of your your talent is natural? Like, were you naturally good even even before the? Um, you know the sharpening up with coaching and serious training.
2: Well, I don't really. It's quite hard to know. actually because I had I did Strava when I was here as a young fella. So. Uh- I only kind of started in high school, uh, I only played football, uh, played a bit of uh, turf hockey, that was kind of my passion, uh, played for Waikato Bays and um, a couple kind of international um, kind of uh, Midland sort of um, teams uh, facing Aussie and uh, really enjoyed the hockey aspect um, and then kind of just got fit from there. I was actually pretty like chubby and whatnot through intermediate, so there was no real natural talent uh or like uh, fitness there back in the days uh, I used to get my ass kicked by my brothers um but then yeah just kind of moved into the orienteering six hour bench races twelve hour bench races moved on to coast to coast and had this massive engine but just comp- no speed at all mm. um and that's kind of how when Craig came in and nurtured that speed and you know I had this big base that I could work with um doing these massive you know days uh on the feet. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, just, like, took a couple of years to, to build this kind of the speed phase, and then all of a sudden, it was real easy, and I think that's been uh, a blessing in skies in, in a way, like, just had this massive engine, and just had to kind of, yeah, work, work on the speed, uh, and it's been one of our biggest work-ons, um, but, it's it's great that I had this, as I said, this big kind of um, this engine because it just the risk of injury was so low because mm. I had this big kind of
0: um, yeah, base and that was just really easy to
2: work off, um, yeah. which was key. So
0: you um yeah, you you sort of down plat, but there must have been like a fair bit of natural talent if you if you're winning half you know <laughs> open half marathon events as a as a school kid. Yeah, I think um, my
2: first one was uh, actually uh, was at it was just after hockey tournament and at at high school we. Uh, we played in uh, Auckland, in the Auckland League, uh, when we did our kind of high school um, kind of week um, camp. And um, I think just before, it was uh, the Taupo uh, Kinloch uh, race. And uh, I think I was probably year 11. I don't know what, I think maybe 16. It was my mm. birthday. Um, and I did, did the run on my birthday and uh, it was kind of like an off-road one, which uh, it was pretty tough, but I still ran like – I was running probably like 115s, 113s as like a wow. a high school kid. So um, a guy that you might know, Mike Voss, uh, him and I used to battle each other. We're quite similar in age. We used to battle each other. Uh, and we we're like the only ones at our age that were kind of doing like half marathons and stuff. Um, so we, we both had these big engines but just no speed. So it was quite funny. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where it started, just the longer stuff. And, yeah. and then I've kind of – Gone full circle and gone reverse and gone to this, you know, um, real short triathlon, 5,000 metre yeah. kind of work.
0: By the way, can I just, can I just say it's infuriating sitting here, um, and it's probably infuriating for some people listening to this podcast as well, <laughs> when you talk about having no speed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I mean, I, I understand what you're comparing no speed then to now. Like, here yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you are at Olympic level and world-class level, but shit, it's still quick.
2: Yeah, I guess it, it's yeah, very quick. Like, and as, as I touched on before, like, I had a Strava when I was just coaching myself and, and doing it as, like, I still do it for the enjoyment, but more of, like, uh, not doing it as a job, uh, but more of just, like, a good old weekend warrior having a real good time with it, and... Um, yeah I was looking back and I was definitely one of those kids that kind of just went out for 6k and just fully sent it mm. uh, and then fully sending back then was like you know just run at 3.30s until you blow and that was, that's what it was like wow. I think and I think that was kind of like the Bay of Plenty like tiny culture we had some awesome athletes getting produced like Daniel Jones uh, who won the Auckland Marathon just before wins everything yeah well I, I used to run with the guy and his brother uh, Brad was an amazing biker like um, back in the day would would kind of tow Sam Gaze and Anton Cooper, our Olympic mountain yeah, bikers. Yeah. And uh, so we had such a great talent of athletes at my
0: age. So getting pushed by those guys and just running with those guys. Yeah, do you find that helps having that sort of I don't know, competitive environment? You, you're coached by Craig Kirkwood and you've got Sam Tanner in the area as well. Do you find that ups your game, like training with people that are just as yeah, good or better than yourself? Yeah, I
2: think so. Like I've always gone with a philosophy of training with like, uh, pure athletes So running with the runners Biking with the bikers Swimming with the swimmers uh, In that way And I think Sam and I Just thrive off each other so well Because We know We trust our coach so well We we don't do anything uh, We don't go over the Over the kind of Over the lip of um, Sending it Or going too hard mm. uh, We We do everything as controlled as we possibly can. We listen to our coach and it works well. Like I look back at the sessions I used to do when I was not coaching myself and I was like, Man, I was an idiot back then. But you cause you're just having fun and yeah, you just love running fast. But at the end of the day, most of your stuff shouldn't be fast. Like ninety percent of the time. Um, most of our stuff is tempo running. Uh, we never really hit that much like threshold only when we come close to racing. So,
0: when you talk about tempo running, just for anyone that doesn't know what, what yeah,
2: so tempo running for us is like something that you can hit, um, quite comfortably. Um, so yes, it is fast. So for me, for example, I'm a say if I'm looking at I'm a 90 say a 90 minute half marathon athlete. Uh, a tempo for me I should be hitting you know um maybe like a 135 so it's comfortable but it, it you know you're feeling it. it's not your full max um kind of session so for me would go on the track would do instead of um you know race pace for us would be 63 400 laps um wow. for tempos would be hitting 65 66 right. so it's about 3 4 seconds off race pace for us so that's to kind of give you an example of what our tempos would be
0: oh my god that's crazy it's <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable yeah bro.
2: when we look at it now it's like <laughs> i did i think at high school i've got uh, a couple of the like the 1500 meter uh, 800 meter records on our grass track i think it's like a three like a 213 214 for the 800 and now we just kind of pop those out for um six six by 800 meter um, efforts you know we're running at 208s 205s uh, we're like, I look back now, I'm like, wow, I couldn't even do that three years, five, mm. you know, four or four years ago at high school. And now it's like just one of the reps that we do. It's crazy.
0: Obviously, yeah, the quicker you get. It's harder to you know, make more gains, and I suppose they become more marginal. But do you still think there's some room for growth in where you're at and where you want to be? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, you know, I've been in the sport for five years now and doing
2: it properly for <laughs> five years now. So uh, I think there's definitely a lot more to gain. Uh, I think just the experience of being an athlete. Um, you know, I've, I've had some amazing opportunities, but I'm still learning massively. Like. Okay, you got to listen to your body. Ninety, you know, oh, I think one hundred percent of the time, you got to listen to your body. Uh, if you're not feeling great, just, just tone it off a bit. Still do the session, but just take it a bit easier. And I think um, that's what um, it's so good being coached by Craig is like. It's Craig once told me, especially before the games, um, he was like, you know, we haven't done any breakthrough world record sessions, but we've made these amazing uh, blocks of. Uh, little sessions where they just you know stack on top of each other and then uh, after after a while all these um you know blocks we've been building um, kind of make a perfect platform and then huh. you kind of come into a race and you just you just feel good and that's kind of what what we kind of uh, that's what our guess, philosophy is yeah. is just building the little sessions and they just stack on top of each other and make this amazing kind of uh, athlete and and um, you know base coming into a into a race and yeah it works well for us.
0: I got something I want to play here. Uh, we were we've been sitting this um, podcast chat up for like the last month or so. <laughs> you were actually um, you sent me a voice memo while you were out training, for Stiro. <laughs> Sweet man,
2: sounds good. Yeah, apologies for that. Um, but yeah, safe travels. Have a good run. And uh, next time, if you're uh, if you're of around, mate, hit us up for a run. Uh, be pretty cool. Um, also, if you want to have a podcast as well, Malcolm Hicks, he'll be uh, around Auckland as well, so he's back in town, which is cool. Um, we did a nice little 30k jolt uh, yesterday. Beautiful conditions. Oh, shit. Yeah, we'll see you soon, sorry mate, just going down a to... Bit of a descent. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I was I was I was recording. I think I got to the end of the uphill part, and I started like going on the flats a little bit downhill. And I was like, "Oh, I better put the photo away." I'd gone halfway down a uh, like a grade three trail.
0: <laughs> so you, you you just had one hand on the bar.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, me That <laughs> <Yeah. mad man. laughs> was uh, I was like, well, it's not. I finally got reception. I like, and once you get reception in the redwoods, it's uh, just starts. Your phone starts pinging at you. So I just had a look, and I was like, well, I've got another five minutes of climbing. I'll quickly. Do some admin as I was because I was out for a four-hour ride because yeah. I was training well for exterior, but also for the uh, the Waka One Hundred, which was unfortunately cancelled. Which is a it's a hundred-kilometer mountain bike ride inside the Redwoods and just you know changes scenery, but a bit of fun for me. Um and uh yeah obviously couldn't do that but um yeah I just love kind of cross training mm. it's it's
0: it's a fantastic kind of way to get mileage up. It's an interesting insight into into your day. What is an average day like in terms of training? It sounds like there's a lot going on.
2: Yeah so I'm I'm actually as a I guess if I look at the international aspect of training as a professional I'm not I don't probably train as much as others. Um so I peak between um twenty four to twenty six hours a week. Um so that consists of about five kind of swims um in the morning, between ninety to two hours. Um and then I normally go for let's say like uh two run sessions uh throughout the week um with kind of a couple easier runs and a long run Sunday. So you're looking at five kind of runs a week. And then between that is, is cycling between an hour to about four hours of riding. So that kind of yeah, adds up to Mostly about twenty four, twenty six hours. If I look at other athletes on the circuit that I kind of race against, uh, and some most of the, some of the New Zealander athletes um, are between twenty eight to thirty two hours. Yeah, right, right. So I guess my philosophy in training also is a little bit more intensity. So a lot of people say, for example, they go like. Uh, 80% of their stuff is endurance and just base mileage uh, with 20% of effort um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of that tempo threshold stuff uh, for me it's kind of like a 40-60 uh, so a little bit more intense but just a little bit less kind of mileage as, as we like to call like junk yeah. mileage yeah. Um, yeah
0: right do you find the swim training boring or are you yes like,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah as much as like once you, I love open water swimming because it's just, you know, you're not looking at black line, but yeah, if I had to choose out of the three that are, that is the, the most tedious would be the swim. Like, I guess if you are a, a swimmer um, and swimming, you know, naturally feels easy. Like it is great when you when swimming feels easy. It's like when you get into the flow state of running. Just when running, at, at a point gets like just feels great. It's it's great um, when you feel great in the right swim session. It feels great, but ninety percent of the time, you're just you're just grinding along, trying mm. to hold on to the the swimmers that I swim with. Um, and looking at the black line for a couple hours, uh, it's uh, it's pretty tough.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the funny thing about swim training because it's um it seems like it's a real difficult sport. To train for in terms of the hours involved, and you see like school kids going there at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., oh, mate, like parents dropping them off. And you, you think, how many, of, how many of you guys are going to make it to the Olympics?
2: It's, it's, you gotta, I think you've got to be slightly sick to be a, a swimmer, eh? <laughs> like, okay, you try fine, yeah, okay, we, we, we train a lot, um, but we have three different sports, like, we can mix and mingle a bit. Uh, with swimming, it's like, especially the, you know, some of the kids I, I train with, like I train with 15 to 18 year olds, but they all are so quick. Mm. Um, but, you know, they get up at 5 a.m., they swim until 7, um, they have some brekkie they go to school, and then they literally walk back into the pool for their second session. Yeah. And they do that, you know, five, five six times a week. Um, it's, a hell 20, of a commitment. it's a massive commitment. So, like, yeah, I, I think any athlete I'd have to give kudos to, like, the swimmers, eh? Like, for me, I'm, I'm, tapped out at one session a day, uh, for five, you know, five times a week. Um, but yeah, it's like, I think it's a lot better when you've, I guess when you're young as well, because you, you know, you make those relationships with friends, um, and it is quite nice to have, uh, you know. It's 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 a lot different, you know. You okay? You don't you hardly talk in a swim um, session, but you're suffering with others. Yeah. Um, so it actually makes it go quicker. Where if you swim by yourself, it kind of does drag on a bit. Mm. But yeah, you go with others, even though you don't talk to them. You know, they're doing the same session, yeah. so you're kind of just suffering with each other, which yeah, kind of makes it go faster. I
0: suppose it's that sense of community as well, like yeah. outside of the pool, like beforehand and after mm. afterwards. A
2: hundred percent. Yeah, I think if you grow up with those people in your life you know you've you've done it through you know most of your life yeah. so you kind of make those good relationships before you get in the pool after you get in the pool you have that banter with them so I think it is definitely like what drags kids you know they might not be the greatest swimmer in the world but they just kind of love the atmosphere mm. um, which I kind of understand I could kind of see uh, when I kind of rock up to the pool um, you know the kids are all the same age and they're all just having a good time and yeah it's tough it's a tough gig but they really enjoy it.
0: All right, can we get to the fun stuff now? Yeah,
2: take go, the seriousness out of yeah, it. And go yeah, we're no, going
0: we'll go to have Tokyo. <laughs> eh? <Is it> time <laughs> yeah, to go to Tokyo.
2: Let's go for it. Right, well, i have my mask off. You can take it off if you want. On you. Oh dear. Oh. You right? Yep, good to go. Hayden Wild, <laughs> Olympic bronze medalist. How do those words sound? Oh, oh it's pretty. <laughs>
0: it's
2: pretty awesome, eh? Like far out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, it's pretty cool coming back in uh twenty nineteen, um, and then coming back in twenty twenty one and getting um getting a podium, so uh you yeah, know pretty happy and uh, it's good to get a medal back in triathlon with uh, the means. Um, a lot of inspiration from my coaches.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, that was uh that yeah, was definitely for my uh yeah, that's for my family and uh yeah, for my dad as well. He passed away like twelve years ago, so you never got to see me race, sir. So. No, sorry. sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. Chance oh, yeah. for everyone back home as well. Um, <laughs> <crowd> awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, I, I love that so much every time yeah, I see you. Yeah. A of those big yeah. I, I, I hardly even watch today, but But, um,
2: yeah, no, it was a pretty awesome moment for the team for sure.
0: What do you mean for the team? Pretty awesome moment for you.
2: You know, everyone thinks, I, I guess, back home, you know, like, thinks triathlon's such an individual sport, but. I've got such a massive team back home. Like, I just love coming home. Um, you know, like, I don't think I'd be the athlete that I am today with the people back home in Tauranga and Whakatane. Um, you know, Craig Kirkwood, you know, he's pretty much, you know, helped me from ground zero and same with Liz. So, um, you know, I've got such an awesome team. And, yeah, I know the effort comes from the athlete, but it's the kind of the magic that happens in the background. And... Um, yeah, like it was a pretty awesome moment, and as I said, you know my, no, dad. Well, now it's past, you know, thirteen, ish years ago. So, he never got to see me race. Um, yeah, so how, old were you, how old were you at the time? Yeah, so I was at, I was at primary. Um, so I was about. What well, would be probably about ten years old, so you kinda of knew what happened but you kinda of didn't know. What did happen? Um so my dad was a fertilizer pilot and unfortunately had a bit of a mishap in the plane and um yeah, there was a kind of um what do you call it a um an engine failure and um, unfortunately just uh the plane came down and that was uh, and that was that. So I was at a mate's house and mum told me I had to come home and I thought it was a party, but uh, you know, I for me personally like I can talk about it. Um, you know, it was it was quite a while ago so it's it's for me, it's, you know, it's unfortunately one of those things that, that, that happened and it's terrible, but it, you've got to get on with life. And, you know, he's watching you and, um, and yeah, he's do always... you feel that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like actually the, the time that I did the half marathon, I got a, the tattoo on my back um, on that same day. So that was kind of uh, for him. So yeah, got this oh, tattoo. What's the, ta- what's the tattoo? Yeah, so I got t- this tattoo on my back. Um, so it's pretty much a pilot compass um, and then it's got some wings on it. Um, and then the ropes for fishing and then it's got north, south, east, west in it, and wherever I go, here we go with his initials and whatnot in it. Mm. So yeah, a lot of people kind of ask, Oh, what's the tattoo about? So that, yeah, that's what's mm. kind of what
0: what it's about. So when you lose a parent at that age, is it one of those ones where like you look back now as a as a young man and think, shit, that was a that was a big thing. Can you sort of appreciate the magnitude of it oh, as a ten year old?
2: Like I think as a ten year old you kind of you you just you're just too young in a way. Mm. Uh I think mostly my brothers would have felt it cuz I got two older brothers uh, a couple of years older than me so obviously my oldest brother had to be the man of the house so for him it would have been a you know obviously a, a, probably a, a way different experience um you know trying to be the man of the house and trying to look after us too uh, younger kids, so I guess I was more of a, a mummy's boy in a way, um, so I didn't really I definitely had a massive connection with my dad, but my middle brother was kind of the, uh, had, was kind of daddy's boy in a way, so to had that uh, I guess a massive impact on, on my older two brothers, where as I said, yeah like as a, a real young kid, you didn't really understand the magnitude of what kind of just happened yeah.
0: <laughs> Bevan Docherty comes from a very sporting family, grew up in the Topo region with the lake and the mountains very strong multi-sport club meant the whole family became involved in the triathlon and the world champion and what a day for him sure he would have loved to have had the gold medal but when he looks across the dais and sees his good mate Hamish there with the gold uh, I don't think there's going to be much disappointment for Bevan Docherty we'll always remember this day as the Carter Docherty Day in New Zealand sport
2: Okay. Yeah, I was very yeah, nice. young, so I wouldn't even. I would yeah, wouldn't even know what the sport was back right. then. If it wasn't even uh, on your radar. There no, it was, wasn't a moment where you sort of went. You no, know, I want to be like Hamish Carr. Yeah, so I only you know watched his race properly when I after Rio. You know, I was like, I was Rio was kind of twenty sixteen where I really kind of was like, wow, like that would be awesome to be um, to go to triathlon because at the point I was I was doing the off road stuff. I was like, oh, I'd be awesome to to go to the Olympics and, and do um, do the on-road stuff. And I know it was going to be a huge, uh, you know, gamble. So at the time, I was, I was actually working um, as a landscaper. Uh, I had an awesome crew around right? me, though. Yeah, had an awesome crew around me, though. Yeah. Like, um, they did sp- a lot of sports themselves. So, you know, I would train in the morning, um, go to work uh, from, like, uh, 9 till 2, and then I'd do the rest of my training. So, I, honestly, I don't know how I got through it. Um, just, like, the...
0: Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20.
2: Uh, just all the training in the morning and then always on your feet and then going and doing some more training. I have did that for about three years just so I could fund myself because I didn't go through like the, I guess, the pyramid um, program as you would go through as a as a normal kid through the high-performance program. Yeah. So I kind of had to try and funnel myself in there and, and gain my own results. That was yeah, working part-time as a landscaper, digging some holes and driving some little <laughs> diggers around and building some, some walls and uh, retaining walls and all that. And then finally got enough money for myself to, to hit over to Japan. Uh, and I knew I was like, well, I need to race well. Um, to get some points if I don't get any points I, that kind of works as a system you yeah. kind of do Continental Cups and then you go World Cups and then you go to the, the big boy kind of World Series where most of the Olympic athletes will kind of race there's seven World Series races in the world and you kind of follow and that's our top top end circuit um, and that's where you want to be um, and then yeah, after three years finally got to that, that point in 2019 and obviously had that delay in 2020 and then came back in 2021 and had a blunder of a year so
0: yeah is, is the money good when you do a google image search there's a photo of you <laughs> holding a big ceremonial check it um, 35,000 US triathlon's getting a lot better yeah.
2: um, obviously if I for example if you look at running it's very hard to make a living uh, yeah. with triathlon yeah. It's, it's very, uh, it's probably, there's a lot more in it, um, like I'm not making anything that what Roger Federer would make or anything, uh, or a golfer, so if I was like, if my word ranking was like I wasn't as a golfer, I'd be uh, having a mansion on the uh, on the North Shore or something like that with, you know, triathlon, like you can make a good living, so, um, you know, this year I'd just made over six figures which was wow. like a big a big year in triathlon mm. for, especially for short distance um, you don't I don't have to come home and, and work as a landscaper anymore that's what I have to say <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and do you think you'll ever because um, I, I know uh, Lance Armstrong <laughs> he um, cut his teeth in triathlon and then I suppose realised he was he was a good runner but not a great runner good swimmer not a great swimmer mm. and obviously just you gravitated towards the bike uh, you, do you think you'll ever do that with running?
2: I was actually thinking like I've always wanted to I was, I've always wanted to one year maybe after, if, if it's maybe a year after Paris or after LA mm. I'm a little bit older uh, especially LA you will be that 30 so you're kind of in that prime time to really switch over to the marathon yes. um, so I've always had ambitions of maybe trying out the road scene and trying to go a bit faster on the marathon or half marathon uh, marathon. I've uh, also kind of had uh, ambitions of maybe just being a pro cyclist and being like an ultimate domestique. Uh, I've always really kind of uh, enjoyed just having a team environment and sacrificing myself and for the team leader because yeah. you don't have as much pressure, but you can just completely bury yourself for 60k on the first part, you know, on a um, big stage race. And and uh, and that's your job done for the day. So um, yeah, like I've, yeah, I've definitely had ambitions of of moving away from triathlon and giving something else a go, um, which is obviously still in the sport, but. Um, yeah, just focusing rawly on that and and seeing how it goes, that would be a pretty awesome kind of avenue to go yeah. towards. Oh, now that you've had
0: a taste of success, I, I don't reckon you could
2: be the bitch in a cycling <laughs> team. Yeah, <I> reckon
0: You want <laughs> to be the man, wouldn't you? Oh, you, you i not going to be going back to the support car and getting water bottles.
2: Oh, I don't know. I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty fun. Eh? Like it, you know, you don't have the big team pressure as much as I thrive on pressure. Uh, I think it'd just be fun, kind yeah. of tr- you know, going for someone. You know, you, you've had the success as a as a triathlete and. You want to kind of, you know, try something else out. It would be one of those things. But, yeah, like marathon or even pushing the boat out and trying 10K, uh, Mm -hmm. like a real quick 10K um, and really focusing on track stuff would be something I'd look into as well. Um, You know, in Tokyo, I did attempt to do the triathlon and the 5,000 metres. I did qualify through world ranking, um, so – there's two ways you can qualify uh, for the five thousand meters in the Olympics. So it's whether um, it just gets past the uh, Euro Olympic Committee. Right. Um, I was in the top forty in the world, which you got to be a first uh, first time Olympian. You got to be in the top forty in the world for your uh, chosen distance nor sport in athletics, and I was 38th uh, when you take up the Russians that did the uh, drug uh, doping. Uh, so that put that pushed me to the threshold nicely. So I actually qualified through through placing, um, but unfortunately just didn't have the time. With the COVID uh, in New Zealand, we just didn't have enough athletes to push through a real fast 5K. We got close to it, so I was 10 seconds off, which, okay, in a 5,000 is quite a lot, um, but um, just... Um, that's kind of working on the front as well, where you know if you've ever run, whether it's on the road or on the track, it's just you can switch off um, and just let others do the work, just and then just the, sit in behind yeah. and just go for it. And yeah. that's what we kind of lacked. Get on the world stage, and you get into these, um, we you, you know athletics diamond leagues where the guys are running the Olympic qualifier, um, you know just just like that. Um, that's the kind of sort of racing you want to get into. So yeah, we didn't have those opportunities, and um, unfortunately missed out. Doing the double But I'm going to give it a go On the comp games as well um, It's uh, I think it's uh, A 13-18 Qualifier 13-17 So it's about 5 seconds slower 13 minutes 17 seconds Yeah 5,000 <sighs> Moving So it's like 63 wow. 63 second per lap uh, 400 laps
0: What's that per K Like Two, it's about two
2: t- thirty seven, about two thirty seven per k. So I I attempted it to, to, to do it it's solo, sickening. very. So I got to three. I did it one one day. I I went for it and I went for it solo, which is very hard. Uh, and I got to about three point eight k, and I was on target. And then just all of a sudden, you just hit the wall, and just the whole the doors fell off. And I think I went from being on on point uh, on time about three point eight k to then being about. 30 seconds off
0: it. <laughs> um, there's another thing um uh, you had an attempt at the uh, the New Zealand record for 1 hour on a track yeah. as far as possible. What's does what the current record stand at? For so Bill Bailey's
2: got it and I think it was 20.85 or something like that. It was it's definitely in the 20s and I think I ran mm. 19. Eight five, I think something like that, so like a K off. Yeah, so I was about right. a K off, um, or there also I was. It was it was between mm. eight. It was between like four to a K, four hundred meters to a K. So it was very <laughs> it's still close. A hell of
0: an hour though, isn't but it? But
2: yeah, yeah. So it was a two. Like we had we had a three day window, um, and it was in Auckland, um, and we just had it was just three windy days. And the thing with the running trackers, unfortunately, we got it on a day. Uh, at the track where it was the prevailing wind um, so with the prevailing wind at that track you get a decent you get about 100 metres of headwind mm-hmm. uh, but then it's completely blocked at the back so you get completely no wind so you miss your tailwind mm-hmm. uh, and then you just come back and you get hit again so um, unfortunately with the track is um you can't really gain that headwind back yeah. uh, from the tailwind, um, so yeah, it was. It's always it was always going to be tough to do on that day. But my paces did well. I had Cam Graves who did well in the marathon. Sam Tanner, those boys got me to about 12k, and then just went solo for the last 8k and was on was on it until probably the last 3k, uh, and then you kind of started really fatiguing, and that's when the um the kind of yeah, I got to about fifty minutes, and oh man, I was suffering, eh, but I think if it was a better day, I probably could have got very close to it, um so yeah, I'll give it a go one one day again, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah, it's just, I think um, do you think that
0: records attack when did Bill Bailey do it by the way, oh,
2: very a long like time 60s? ago, six I think yeah. it's the longest holding record in New Zealand, um, just in front of um you know some of the some of the greats um in New Zealand, so. Yeah, one of the, I think yeah, one I think it is the longest standing record in athletics history in New Zealand mm. at the moment. So it's a good, you know, 60, 50 years or something. Yeah. So I remember I think I talked to one of the old boys afterwards, he was like, Yeah. Uh, his post interview he just said, Oh yeah, I'll probably just go home and do my lawns and have a steak and all this sort of <laughs> stuff, just, just purely classic Kiwi Yeah, It was quite good. How good.
0: good. Mm. How good. Where's the medal? Where do you keep the um, the bronze?
2: Yeah, so last I guess the last three weeks I've just kind of been travelling around with it, um, just because I, you know, people like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, like it's it's uh, it's here with me. I think it's in the car, um, but I tell you, it's either here or it's at my mate's house. But I always try and keep it close to me. But nearly, I nearly got robbed uh, in Barcelona. Um, I uh, had had an incident in Barcelona where a car got robbed and the bag that got. Um, taken my medal was always in that bag, but we um, we were in an Airbnb, so I had the medal in the Airbnb. Oh. So I was very lucky that day.
0: If something like that happened, if it got stolen or misplaced, could you? Can you write to the Olympic Committee and well, get a replacement? I
2: don't. I don't think. I don't think you can get right. a replacement. That's the that's. I think that's the most uh, uh, scary thing. Is when you lose it, you lose it, um, or when it gets stolen, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's gone. So you just hope that you know like for example when we, when we did get robbed um our part the, the person that robbed us um they actually put our passports inside a bag and put it under a car and this lady actually I'd never seen her in my life just reached out on Instagram in Barcelona and said oh i found your passports under my car uh, i've given it to the local police uh, so we got our passports Amazing. back um, and then so you hope you know if they did see if there was Olympic medal in there with men's triathlon on it they would hopefully re- you know put it under a car or return it yeah. to something you know
0: <laughs> be a shit thing to steal what are you going to do with it it means yeah, yeah. Like, it has no real value does it to anyone no you?
2: exactly like I think I think a lot of people don't know what what uh, it's actually made out of so it's coated in bronze but the the foundation of it's actually uh, reused Uh. Um, oh, um, Recycled mm. uh, Japanese metal yeah. um, made out of phones and all sorts. So the value of um, of um, I guess burning it down and um, making it. Bronze. It's it's is you, you might get about fifty bucks out of yeah, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the Olympic experience was obviously amazing um, yeah. in terms of com- competition and winning the medal. But do you feel a bit short-changed that you know that it was in a COVID year in terms of I, I feel like you, you wouldn't have got the full usual Olympic experience where you get to mingle with other athletes. Yeah, and...
2: like I guess I've never been. I guess I can never really um, until maybe hopefully Paris or any other event. I've never really can compare it to another yeah. Olympics um but well you know we still got to mix and mingle um you know the big kind of the big cafeteria that everyone talks about where you go and have food and the big oh, the free food court yeah the free food maccas. court no mackers because maccas didn't sponsor it so there's no maccas i was gutted well, you did get ripped off yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i know right but yeah so like we went in there and you got to see some of the massive names of, of sporting you know like um the, you know the u.s basketball team so you got to see some pretty massive names there and um, you know, just some of the massive names in New Zealand as well was were around. So just mixing, mingling with those kind of athletes was really cool. You know, the top of their. Um, you know the top of their crop of, of sport yeah. and I think the coolest thing was when um, we were kind of getting a little detour and we were looking around and uh, before we actually got told we were allowed to um, go into the gym uh, a couple of the uh, NZ guys took us to the gym just to have a look quickly and um, you just saw like there was no uh, wannabes in there. This gym mm, was just full yeah, of like clutch famous. athletes. Like there was guys just like chilling out, doing like five minute handstands and just doing <laughs> massive like deadlifts, <laughs> and it was just insane. Like you, you, you're pretty much looking at the best athletes in the world in one gym. It was just like holy. And then we saw uh, one of uh, China's like biggest um, basketball players. Uh, I think it's Kim Yong. I think, uh, but he was like like. He just made you look like you're a midget. Like mm-hmm. he was, you know, seven and a half foot. I think he's like 14 and a half, um, um, 14 and a half for his shoe size, wow. US. I'm um, just like, I'm in like an eight and a half, nine. Like, that's nearly double my foot mm. size. Like, I can't like comprehend that. <laughs> did
0: your uh, you fangirl over anyone in particular ask anyone for a photo? No, I didn't actually,
2: I think, because like the guys that I really wanted to see, they weren't in the village because um, there's a lot of athletes that don't come to the village not until really the end um, where the triathlon is one of the first events. So you kind of miss out a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the big players. So, right, right. Um,
0: if, if I saw Kip toga, I'd lose my shit
2: <laughs> I know I was I didn't see Kip because uh, the marathon was up uh up the coast. It was meant to be cooler, uh, but I did see a couple like Carapaz who won the road, um, the road cycling. Yeah, I saw him and I was like, that's pretty cool." Uh, and he was like, "He looks tiny and on the cameras, but he is like even smaller mm. in, in, in person. in
0: person." Must be quite good getting uh, getting your event out of the way early. Did you get to enjoy the Olympic experience after that, or not so much?
2: Well, much it's much? it's quite funny because with the COVID uh, protocols, you've pretty much once you do your race, you have forty eight hours to leave. Uh, oh, and if no. you if you don't leave in the forty eight hours, you get put into the hotel until your flight leaves. Yeah. But we were quite lucky because we have two events, so um, we were there a week before, um, and then we did our race. But then we had five days of recovery before the mixed team relay. So then we had like a whole another four days of chilling at the village. So I think in sports wise, we were probably the um, people that were in there for the longest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got we didn't get to go. We weren't allowed to go to, like, the athletics track and watch some of the events. I would have loved to go and watch the 100 metres or the 1,500 metres and watch my training partner, um, Sam Tanner, run. Pretty much the day I left is the day he arrived. I got to see him for that night, which was cool, but had to leave pretty much as soon as he got there. So I was kind of like, ah, oh, kind of kind of gutting. Yeah. So Oh, next to, time. Next time, mate. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so aiming for Paris, and hopefully, yeah, COVID is uh, – restrictions have gone. A thing of the past Oh, by then. dude.
0: So, um, run through that race day. So, um, first of all, were you expected to get a medal? I think... When, when do you think you should finish?
2: Yeah, so I think in 20... If it was 2020, uh, I would have been pretty chuffed with the top 10. I was tracking really well. I was running quick. Um, but unfortunately, got stuck in New Zealand, and obviously everything else was cancelled. But it gave me a whole year to kind of yeah, nurture. True, true. Um, so... My swim was obviously my weakness. Um, It always has been. So it gave me another extra year of just, um, you know, learning my craft, um, you know, getting some more knowledge um, and really kind of just dialing down on what my weaknesses were. Um, So, yeah, really focused hard on the swim and uh, try to, um, you know, expand my knowledge and kind of like uh, my stroke and my technique and all these sort of things. Um, And then... It gave a great opportunity for actually running as well because everyone was back from the states from the NCAA, which is the pretty much like uh, university um, states college right. running. So we had all of our fast guys here. We, we had I had that, and then yeah, if, if I come in, coming into twenty twenty one, I was pretty. I know that if I had. The race I knew I could have, and in the stars aligned, I could have a pretty special day. Um, I was running the fastest I've ever run before. My swimming was the best it's ever been, and I kind of backed myself on the bike if anything kind of happened. Um, so, yeah, I was like, it was just one of those things where I needed. I needed to get overseas and just have a few blowout races um, as I hadn't raced in 20, 22 months or something like that. So I needed to get overseas. I needed to race. So I got three races in. So I raced my first race in May. What
0: do you mean What do you mean a blowout race?
2: It's kind of, okay, you're training You're training well. You know, you know you're hitting your targets. You're hitting better than you were uh, two years ago. But as good as training is, it's so different to – to racing, yeah. um, race speed and race and training fitness is just a completely different ball game so I just needed to get overseas and race guys that I can toe to toe with the top 10, so you went to Leeds had a massive blowout, pretty much if I raced smart I could have probably got a podium in that race but the whole point was to go and burn out Russ. so it was attack, attack, attack defend and defend um, be silly on the bike and just go hard on the run and just see where you blow up and I was about. I was second the whole race coming into the eight, eighth k, and we had a group of five. And then kind of my doors fell off because the guys in Europe have been have been racing through yeah. COVID, so where they've been, you know, been still racing for the last twelve months, where I haven't, you know, touched a touched a start line in you know twenty months. So to get that race was fantastic. I went to Kitspiel in Austria and raced the European champs. So I got a wild card to to, to get a race in there. And, um, yeah, that's what kind of all I needed to know those two races uh, is what I needed to kind of know where my body was right. and where Craig kind of said, you know, like, hey, this is what we need to work on. Uh, you're pretty much there, you just need a couple of fine tunes in and and some certain areas and when you come to Tokyo, you should be as good as you can possibly get. Yeah. Um, so yeah, coming to Tokyo, I was, um, I guess, confident in my own abilities but there's so many things you can't control. Um, there's so many variables with the swim and the bike and the run. The only really one you can kind of control is kind of the run. But it's you know you could get a punchy you could be in a crash um, you could get absolutely smashed by the guy next door to you uh, in the swim so there's so many variables you can't control so we kind of went in there and just said just have some fun you've got no um, you know got you've got no pressure in a way Uh, you're just going out there just have enjoy it like it's any other race and that's our mentality we went in just kind of race and just piss everyone off really that it has that has kind of big expectations so and that's what we did we went out there and um, people were saying okay yeah Hayden might do well but you know he might do a top 10 or a top 7 or whatever but you know he shouldn't really be a podium contender Um, but I knew my coach knew if we had a day that everything lined up it could, be, it could be pretty special and yeah. Yeah, it all lined up pretty right. well and, uh, yeah, ran, ran away into, into a
0: podium position. So the, the, where were you when you came out of the water? So it's swim first in triathlon?
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of people that haven't watched me race before were freaking out, like, he's like, oh, he's so far behind. Like, what's he doing? And I was like, I was about 30, 40 seconds behind, which is actually a decent swim for me. I'm normally, say, if I look back in the Tokyo Test event in 2019, I was 90 seconds behind. Um, unfortunately, I had a bit of a mare and transition coming onto the bike. My helmet got knocked off and had to kind of grab that, and unfortunately missed the front pack. Um, so I had to, well the chase pack, so the second pack. So got there and I just missed it, and then luckily there was a third pack with some amazing athletes in there. Uh, we all worked together, and in three laps we caught the chase pack, and then it all came together and kind of we call it neutralizing. So the pack. Uh, the, all the whole packs together, and um, it kind of the the intensity of the ride kind of lessens a bit, and you can kind of yeah gather your uh, your energy and get ready for the run. Um, and that's so how long what, is the bike ride? Forty k. Forty k. Yeah, forty yeah, k. So it was it's a, it was they kind of it was a very technical course, so a lot of U turns, ninety degree turns, uh, very tight. So you had to, in a way, even though it did neutralize a bit and didn't get. A little bit easier. Uh, you had to be in a good position, or else you, you would suffer big time. So I was normally sitting around that top five, uh, staying out of trouble for one, and just always kind of watching, um, kind of where the attacks would be, and um, yeah, just sat there nicely, and then waited for the run, and knew that I had to had to go to the front straight away, sit in the top three, and I think I, it was the best time because when it when you talk when when runners talk about going into the flow state and just running feels easy, and I think we are running about 255s, 250s, and I just felt, like, amazing. Like, it just did not feel, like, it just felt effortless in a way. Wow. Um, And then when we got to that last... 2k where Christian did his attack I've I've been studying Christian and Alex I knew Alex was very aggressive around corners so what Alex would do he would come out of a corner and he would hit it pretty hard to try and drop us and then Christian I knew would sit on until the end and then he would kick down the last 1500 metres he did that three times in in the last three races so I knew he was probably going to do that and that's what he did and I think we were just too stuck in the metronome state, but also mentally, Alex and I. So Alex and I are really good mates, and uh, you know, first time Olympians. So I think we kind of came into the race, and that last lap, we were like, oh, you know, we kind of. I think in a way, we in a way, okay, we may have been able to hold on to Christian for a little bit longer, but I think we kind of settled as like, oh my God, we're just about to get Olympic medals. Uh, where Christian, that's his third time uh, going for it. Um, So he's had that experience, and he really obviously wanted that gold medal. As much as I wanted the gold medal as well, you kind of mentally, you kind of just go, like, you kind of just settle for what you got. Um, And, you know, like, it was, oh, you know, last lap, we have 45 seconds um, in front of,
0: like, the fourth,
2: like, no matter what. So the
0: medal was in the bag. Exactly,
2: exactly. So the only thing that could happen is you could, like, just pull a muscle. That's the only thing that could happen, but it was too hot for that kind of in a way, so... Um, yeah, we kinda got into that last fifteen hundred meters and we I think we did settle for a podium, but we yeah, it was just I think it was just that young mentality of like, oh, we're gonna get a medal, but we just didn't know what one. <laughs> so oh, that is
0: amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it was pretty cool.
0: In hindsight, like could you have done more, do you think, or I
2: think if I look back at it, um I did spend a lot of energy. I think I've panicked a little bit coming out of the water where the where I had the fumble of the helmet. Um, and I was pushing well above what I should have been pushing on the bike because I didn't actually realise there was a, a good group behind me, so I probably spent 5% of the energy that I probably shouldn't have, that I didn't need to yeah, use. Yeah. What ifs. Exactly, hey, what all, ifs? The if, all the ifs, all the ifs, but you got it, yeah, uh, I, I – yeah, if I look at where I've come from and where I kind of placed, like I don't think I could, you know, write that in a book, you know.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, man, it's a, an incredible performance and that um that speech um that we played before just mm. on the finish line. I goosebumps every time I hear it. Yeah. It's just amazing. I
2: think I yeah, it's like I don't really listen to it too much because I'm like, oh man, man needs a Grammy <laughs> for that, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, no,
0: it's, it's 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 real, it's raw, uh, it's vulnerable, it's powerful. Uh, it's just, I mean, you're obviously just completely spent at that point and just elated as well.
2: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a pretty awesome, like, it's a massive moment and, you know, it's like the pinnacle of our sport. It's just, like, having something like that and, you know, Bevan Doherty and Hamish Carter, yes, you know, they've got yeah. three of them and it, the first one was in Sydney in 2000 uh, where it all started off, so... You know there's only a, a handful of guys that actually have Olympic medals, so it's like it's a pretty prestige um kind of group of people, so oh, it really it's is. amazing to be a part of it,
0: it really is yeah. and and this is you for life regardless yeah. of what happens from here on in. yeah, yeah Hayden yeah. wild Olympic medals
2: yeah, so it's yeah, it's pretty awesome, like you kind of especially when you rock up to races now on the on the world circuit that you get introduced going onto the the blue carpet we call it on the mm-hmm. onto the yeah. pontoon and they say like Olympic medalist like Hayden Wild and it's like wow, it's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: So good, mate. So good. Wow, what a story. Yeah. What a story. Uh, The Maltese Falcon, is that still your nickname? Yeah, it is. What what does that mean exactly? Yeah, we got it in Malta.
2: It's in the Mediterranean, a Malta little island just off Italy, off the boot. And uh, I was climbing up this hill uh, and uh, I was like... The way the way that I race, as you've probably heard, is I come out of the water a little bit behind. I um, come through the rankings on the bike, and then have a pretty solid run. Not a strategy, by the way. You just no, it's, ju- it's, <laughs> just, it's just it's just just it is what it is. <laughs> and um and the, and then over the mic, this guy was like, "Oh, here comes the Maltese Falcon." I have no clue who he's talking about. Uh, and then we finish up, and then they really wanted to get the Maltese kind of um fan base up, so they started calling me the Maltese Falcon. So I asked him, I was like. I was like, "Am I the Maltese Falcon?" They're like, "Yeah, mate." We just started calling you that, and I'm like, and it's stuck ever since. And the reason why they've called me that is there used to be this guy who was war, was kind of like a war hero around there. And the way he used to attack his enemies was he used to lay low under the GPSs on the and his and his jet fighter. He used to come around the island and then attack them from behind, and that's what kind of my tactic is: is come out of the swarm a little bit behind. Attack them on the bike and then, uh, and then catch them on the run. So it's like, oh, here comes the Maltese Falcon. And it's just kind of stuck ever since. So that's how the nickname kind of. Turned up in a way it's so. a great nickname Yeah, yeah I'd say wonderful. it could be worse
0: so. yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, hey, that's great And you're, By the way, we didn't point out You're in Auckland at the moment To show moral support for your girlfriend Who's in MIQ Yeah um, Which seems nuts to me Because it's like there's I've been in MIQ You've been in MIQ yeah. you, you can't you see her Yeah, it's, what, it's what, are you, what are you doing? Is it just um You're waving at her from the street? Or yeah, well what?
2: we had a lunch date yesterday <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I took her sushi uh, So she's on like the 8th floor and uh, I I rocked in, gave uh, gave the person the solution, said, oh, this is for this person's room, yeah. and then I just park out on the side of the road, I turn FaceTime on, so and then I just turn it on speaker, and then we just talk through the phone, and then I can just see her in this window, and that that's how we have our lunch dates. Um, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so I was like, and also I kind of came out to Auckland for a bit of admin as well. I mm. uh, had some things to do here and there, so it actually worked out quite well as yes, I knew, she was coming to Auckland, and then I was like, "Well, I've got to do some things, so I might as well yeah. come up for the ten days. And if she needed anything, I could just go in straight away. And you know, if she drop needed it off. need some snacks, I can drop it off, so she didn't have to worry about anything. So yeah, yeah worked out pretty well. And uh, nice. she's out on Monday, so I it know kind of it's her second time in there. I know how it feels, and it just sucks. So oh, I if, if I can if I can help anyway you know, I'm not too far away. So yeah, how yeah. yeah. how
0: long, how long have you guys been seeing each other?
2: Uh two and a half years now. Yeah. Uh, met on the circuit, so. Uh, Oh, she's she a triathlete as yeah, well? Yeah, she's she's Belgium. Uh, so she's uh, second ranked in Belgium at the moment. Um, and uh, you're yeah, hopefully a, a Paris contender. So she'll be hitting over there. But our wish she was is uh, trying to keep her at a hospital. She loves to crash. Uh, so we yeah you know, we crashed in 2019 together this kid ran on the road and we went over the handlebars and she knocked herself out and I somehow ninja rolled out of it and just got a hematoma on the ankle and that was it but she was knocked out on the ground for about 90 minutes and it's crazy how head injuries uh, just hit you out like she was probably suffering for nearly every year, over a year and uh, just got into it and uh, uh, just as we finished off season in Girona in Spain uh, if, uh, if anyone likes Game of Thrones, that's where the big castle is in Girona. A lot of cyclists go there. It's an amazing place. And uh, we did one of the famous climbs at Rocky. Well, she did one of the famous climbs at Rocky Corber, and I get this call, Hayden, I've crashed. I'm like, oh, shit. And she's, and she's like, it's pretty bad. I'm like, oh, man, what have you done? She's like, um, I can see my bone. I'm like, oh. So she did a double fracture in the finger. Um and, yeah, had to get operation and stuff, and the operation went well, we thought, and, yeah, um didn't go actually well. They thought they did a good job, but they kind of messed up, and one of the plates was actually restricting her movement into one of her fingers, so she couldn't actually properly... Move her, move her finger, and then she's, yeah, Um, now yeah, four months down the track and only st- still doing rehab, so. Wow. Out still battling through that, just like a toe or a finger, they're an absolute pain in the ass to fix, so. Yeah, it's um, amazing uh, that it's such a small part of uh, the body can
0: cause you so much grief. Yeah,
2: so she can't really grip onto the bike too mm. much, so a lot of indoor training, and she's getting back into the pool, but, yeah, she's a natural swimmer, so uh, she comes from a swimming background, so that's her strength, so it's, um yeah, she's kind of, Kicks my ass on the pool. ever so often. She uh, takes a couple there. But, um, yeah, she'll get back to hopefully normal and, uh, yeah, smash the circuit. And, yeah, we pretty much follow the same sort of racing. So yeah. works out pretty well.
0: God, it'll be nice to see her again.
2: Yeah, it's been a couple months. We went, yeah. uh, we went to Mount. last time I saw it was in December. So it hasn't been too bad. Through COVID, it was about seven months. So it's quite nice to, yeah, when I'm overseas, we come kind of together. And we're literally pretty much doing everything together. So it's quite nice. And kind of when you fall, uh, when you go away, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy, you know, having that person there mm. all the time, and then just straight away it just goes, it's like ah, oh, I'm kind of my life is actually quite boring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it'll be nice to get her out on Monday, and uh, yeah, we're here until until May, and then we head over to Yokohama for the first uh, for the first race. Yeah, brilliant, so, exciting. Hey, yeah. um, I
0: look forward to see. You. What's in your future? Uh, yeah. with Commonwealth Games, Olympics, and just whatever you do next, because I'm sure whatever you do, <laughs> excel and do it amazingly well.
2: Yeah, give it a good crack, and I no, just loving it being home and uh, just embracing the, the, yeah, I guess the success of uh, of what happened, and yeah, had that had like five months of delay of not getting it, being able to celebrate the medal. So it's nice to just. Come here and just celebrate and have a good time. So, yeah, how yeah. good, how
0: good. Yeah. Hayden Wilde, Olympic medalist.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been good.
0: Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. No, it's been a
2: pleasure. We've, uh, it's good that we finally got it, uh, got it done. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, really, I really appreciate it. It's so yeah. good of you to do that. Yeah. Thanks, man. No dramas. Oh, you're still here. Aren't you the best? Um, thank you so much for listening all the way through. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I'm guessing a lot of people don't make it this far, so so if you have done, uh, yay, yay for you, I really appreciate it. No pressure, but do me a favour if you want, if you don't already do this, uh, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever you've got to do, wherever you get your podcast from, I'm not sure how it makes a difference, but apparently it does. Feel free to give it a rating, like a five star or a review, and um, I think the best sort of marketing I can do to spread the word about this podcast and this mission we're on is um, the word-of-mouth stuff, so let a friend know if you think they'll enjoy it, or share it on your social media channels, but no pressure to do any of that, only if you want. Uh, The main thing is, I just appreciate you being here, appreciate you listening to this, and I really hope you got something out of it. Feel free to send me any feedback, complaints, criticisms, whatever you've got, any time. I, I won't necessarily change anything, but I do read it all, and I do take it all on board. Instagram's a good way to get a hold of me. Slide into my DMs at domharveynz, or email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. Okay, thanks so much. I hope to see you next week